Well, welcome to the front porch. I'm Louis Love. And I'm Tabidi Anyabwile. And we're on the porch again. T, how long has it been this time? It's been too long, man. It, it makes me think we need to be in the same city on, on an actual shared porch, brother. <laughs> then, then, then that's all we'll be doing. Nothing would get done. They like all y'all do. Y'all got a whole bunch of podcasts and everything going on. When do y'all preach? (laughs) (laughs) On the the front porch. On the front porch. (laughs) Come by. Get a sermon anytime you're over. You get a sermon, right? That's right. That's right. Man, it's good to be on the porch, though, man. It's a lot of a lot of things have happened, man. This this year, I think the last time we were on, we were talking about Just Gospel 2019. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it still 2019? It is, bro. I know you've been oh, down. Okay. You've been down under. You probably lost a couple of months. But uh, oh man, yeah, 2019. We talked about that as and and actually, I wanted to ask you too because yeah, you have been gone, man. You got came off the 2019 uh, Just Gospel Just Gospel 2019. I'll say it a little slower. Just Gospel 2019. <laughs> yeah, and, that was uh, that was that was uh, that was inner city Indianapolis coming out right there. That was, that was South Bend right there. That was, that was South Bend, <laughs> man. They they still talk kind of slow in, in Indianapolis. <laughs> and uh, and then shortly after, you took off for like what, man, three or four months? You were gone. <laughs> oh man, it wasn't that long, bro. <laughs> Don't even try. No, God was kind. I did uh, a week in Quebec with uh, Don Carson and. Uh, meeting with pastors there, talking through the scriptures um, on on justice. Okay. Um, they wanted kind of an intensive class on on justice from the scriptures. So that was a, a, a phenomenal time. Um, then came back for a little while, and and for about three weeks in July and early August, the family and I were in Australia, man. And uh, what an encouragement to see God's work um, among the saints, among our brothers and sisters uh, in Australia, man. That was a that was a blessed time. So so it seemed like because you were posting while you were there, but it seemed like you were preaching all over Australia, man. Like you were. Oh, they worked the brother. That's what it seemed like. <laughs> they worked the brother. I think I spoke in one fashion or another twenty five times in the in the three weeks that I was there. Um and, and my wife was kind of looking at me after about the third session because she know when a brother get tired he get grumpy, right? <laughs> and uh she like he's about to ruin the vacation oh, going on. And uh but no, the Lord was really gracious, man. I was refreshed by their fellowship. Um I'm sure as much as any grace that I imparted to them. So uh, it seemed like the more I spoke, the more built up I was and the more encouraged I was <clears throat> meeting the saints across, across the, across the country. So we were, we were really grateful to be there. So, 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 so how did it work you? So you landed there and then you preached across several cities. I you know I'm not sure how it's broken up. How, how'd that work out? Yeah. So we, we um, flew into Brisbane, okay. uh, which is in Queensland, one of the sort of states, I guess, up in the northeast of the country. Massive, massive state. Um, and uh, so we were in uh, a few different cities in Queensland with a small farming town called Dolby. Um, there was a regional conference uh, there, of churches uh, across the southwest Queensland. Uh, we were in Brisbane, of course, doing several things there at Queensland Theological College and um, a, a couple of churches in, in, in Brisbane. Then we moved up north to um, a couple of cities up north, uh, speaking in churches and, and having sort of mini conferences up there as well. Uh, so they just, yeah, flew us around um, to those various places and um, 
we got to serve and uh, it was a blessing. So did um, one church host you guys or were you, was this a group of churches doing this or just one church brought you in and then sent you all over the place? How'd that work? Yeah, the main player was uh, Queensland Theological College. Where, okay, it's a college, okay. Uh, yeah, Gary Miller is the um, is the principal there. It's one of their theological um, seminaries. Um, and so he, he is part of TGC Australia, um, and so under the auspices of, of the college and to some extent through TGC Australia, uh, he sort of coordinated the various speaking opportunities and coordinated with the various churches uh, around Queensland. And then the, I guess the last city we were in was down in Sydney. We had about four days in Sydney um, at the Sydney Missionary and Bible College before we came back stateside. Beautiful, man. It sounded like you had a, a great time. It's like the folks were really blessed uh, by the ministry of the word. And uh, we're just glad to have you back in the States, man. I'm like, don't go over there and get all, you know, comfortable and stuff. You know, because, you know, you know, because, you know, brother, we'll leave the States. You've been down there and came in for all that. I'm like, just come on back home <laughs> where you belong. right? So first, you sound like my mama. Uh, secondly, you sound like Titus, man. We were there about two days. We went down to Dolby. And, you know, small towns, so kids are running around playing on their bikes, walking to the corner store, all that kind of stuff. Uh, none of which... He does here in the city, right? And he, he right. was like, yo, when we move in here? Yeah. <laughs> this is tight. This is tight, uh, right? He's big, though. He's making plans to go back, do a gap year, study there, do something. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, that that's great, man. It sounds like it was really. The pictures, by the way, too, were beautiful that you guys uh, send those pictures back. And so we all just got real envious, covetousness, all that kind of stuff. Broke, breaking all kind of commandments uh, looking at those pictures but man we're glad you're blessing. back glad you're back man um just you know if my timing is right t uh and i'm not sure it seemed like when your uh, post went up from you right before you left is is, is that right before you, or were you, were you right. there when you post okay i yep. thought it seemed like you posted and then ran no not running brother i know you you don't run from much (laughs) i've I've never seen a a german shepherd get in behind you but i know you don't you don't run from much (laughs) oh because your brother i remember you telling your brother taught you not to be running from your enemies don't be running from people right exactly right it's like you know what um (laughs) my brother was you know 10 12 years older than me and at that time, man, he was big oak tree. So, you know, I didn't mess with him. We call him Pap. You might oh, mess man. with Pap. Oh, um, and he saw me get into a little scuffle at the playground. I was a little boy. And I, I ran home because the dude I was scuffling with, he was like from a family of 12. And, uh, and right, you fought right. one, you fought them all. That's it. And so I ran home. And uh, he was standing in the back door. My mama had a glass storm door. <laughs> and uh, I ran and grabbed the, the handle on the door. And he clicked a lot. <laughs> I was like, yo, let me in. He's like, no, I'll tell you what, you either go out there and finish that and fight him or you fight me. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know what? I'll fight all 12 of them before I fight. <laughs> before I fight. Pap was a bad dude. <laughs> yeah, he, he was trying to teach me something. He was right, trying to teach right, me to stand right. flat for it. Right, and uh, I appreciate him for it. <laughs> well, man, he, well, he taught you well. And it, it, was, it didn't even come to my mind that you had posted and ran. I knew better than that. It's more, it more like you to post and stay <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> but hey, as, t- as time would have it, you were gone. And so uh, I, I think we had, we, had, we had communicated a couple of times and promised to do and talk about uh, the apology. You uh, posted a 
a sevenfold apology over at uh, the Gospel Coalition at Pure Church. So y'all can pick that pick that up if you haven't read it, if you haven't heard about it, and if you haven't read it, heard about it, then uh, you aren't from this country. <laughs> <laughs> or they got better things to they do. Got, or, or, or that, or that. But um, man, it was a. Um, it was deep. The apology was deep. And it was and by the way, it was it was uh, well received, I know, by me and a lot of people I talked to it was well received and it was um, it was thoughtful. But it did it did uh, leave some questions. Right. And so what I wanted to do was to uh, just talk with you and uh, try to find try to try to probe you a little deeper sure. um, because it was rich. And there and there I think that um, there's there's some learning to be done. Um, T, and I, I think especially in the climate that we're in, uh, with regards to social media, mm. uh, specifically, um, <clears throat> so, so many hot takes, um, and then not only hot takes, but people are, 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 are putting out long and what would appear to be thoughtful articles and th- mm-hmm. that, um, probably need to be, um, revisited. So your, I think your apology sent a wave of uh, awareness to a lot of people. I know to me about how we interact and how we deal um, when, especially, especially when we're being disagreed with. And people don't always take our position, and so some of the things you have been writing writing on um, ha- have been, and I don't think they've been what people would call controversial, but they have been uh, things that are. Um, on the minds of a lot of people, mm. right? I, I don't think they're controversial. <laughs> it's just <laughs> folks are just talking about these things are heavy on the minds of folk. And so <clears throat> when you wrote the apology, um, a lot of folks wondered why, mm-hmm. what, what was behind it. Now, you can't always, you can't always, the, why could mean a bunch of things, right? It's like, man, why he do that? Or, or it could be, <laughs> Man, I wonder. I wonder what was happening in his mind, uh, what was going through his heart uh, when when he um, when he sent out the apology. Now, as a thoughtful writer as you are, you write in points or <laughs> sub, you know <laughs> sub points and all that kind of stuff. You certainly have that puritanical thing going on in a good way. In a good way. <laughs> so your apology was sevenfold. Right. Of course, the last piece was basically apologizing for being tardy in the apology. Now, that's thoughtful because mm. it's like, you know, hey, at least I did it. I can't I'll be apologizing. The rest of my life. I'll be apologizing. But no, <laughs> you put in there. Hey, this should have been done sooner. So let's do this, T, if you don't mind. OK, L- let's go through um, your your reasons for apologizing mm-hmm. and see if we can't talk a little bit <clears throat> about that. Um, and. I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of folks. Amen. I think Amen. it is. So, so you gave these these seven reasons. Uh, the first one, you you ask for forgiveness for writing out of fear and anger at, at times. Mm-hmm. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, right? Doesn't pro- doesn't produce the righteousness of God, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> and you said there's been times when these emotions have shaped your heart and subsequent subsequent words, right? So. You began the post, T, with talking about moving back here in 2014 and some things that had happened right. as soon as you got back. Right. What, what was, 
what kind of fear and anger? Let's deal with your fear, Pete. What kind of fear were you having, T? Yeah, I think the the sort of um, earliest fear, even before moving back <coughs> to the states, as we were thinking about moving back to the states, um, was a, a really deep seated fear um, for my son and mm. um, for Titus coming back to uh, the inner city, having been born in the Caribbean, uh, who, whose whole world was was pretty much that island and uh, running around barefooted and playing in the beach and in the right. water. And uh, and it's an island that um, is very diverse um, ethnically and culturally, uh, doesn't have the, the racial history of the United States or even of other some uh, some other Caribbean islands. Um, and and it's a very safe island. I mean, there's, there's not crime to speak of there. Um, compared to anything like any any town or city in the United States. And so I knew that coming back stateside, he was going to have to learn how to live in an entirely different world mm. on mm. all of those dimensions. He does not know the, the racial scripts in the United States. He's still befuddled by them. Um, he doesn't understand the, the, the sort of violence that um, is a, a regular part of life in our neighborhood. Um, it, it scares him. Um, he, he doesn't understand, um, he, he doesn't understand the social cues that, that you pick up and you learn, um, when you grow up in the neighborhood, um, the, the cues that indicate, Oh, we just went from joking to this cat mad. Mm. You mm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. okay, yeah. This, this cat crazy. You know? <laughs> right. Um, right. He doesn't know any of that. And so, um, even before we came back stateside and anything happened, uh, when people were asking me if I had any concern about coming back and planting the church, that would be the one concern I would note. And then we landed, and about two or three weeks later, uh, Mike Brown was killed in Ferguson, uh, and everything that erupted around that. And it, it, it tapped into um, that, that deep-seated anger uh, and, and fear. Um, and and, and even, even before Mike Brown came, I remember we were moving into our place and uh you know people are coming by the utility guys and all that good stuff and one of the utility guys comes by to to hook up the furnace or something and uh we're just talking having a good time huge man must be about six four three hundred twenty pounds mm. big guy and i'm walking him to the door and he says to me he turns to me and he says now you're you're a pastor right i said yeah and uh this big man standing there in the door blocking out the sun <laughs> uh, nearly melted in front of me. He, he turned, he was trembling, and he says, pray for me. And I said, okay, what do what, what you want me to pray for? Uh, he says, last month, my son got shot in the head in Baltimore, killed. And he says, I can't sleep, I can't rest. He said, I, I just, I don't even know how I'm making it through the day, and uh, I want you to pray for me. So here was a man living what I feared. And uh, a week or two later, that, that same fear would be projected on the screens of our television sets as we watch things unfold in Ferguson. Um, and so a lot of my writing was not only the constructive and productive expression <coughs> of that concern and fear, but as things would unfold and as things would degenerate uh, in certain Christian circles, um, that, that anger would sometimes be sinful, that fear would sometimes be sinful, um, and I'm, I'm convinced before the Lord sometimes led me to write or say some things, um, even if they were true, to say them in ways that were sinful. Um, and so that's, that's mm. part of what I wanted to acknowledge in that part of the confession.
So, so you <clears throat> you mentioned um, it, it seemed like, and I, I could have read you wrong, but it, it, when what you were just saying, it seemed like that there that this fear or this anger and this fear to you, it seems like that's something that um, has been you've been dealing with and suppressing for quite some time and that then moving back yeah. seemed to stoke it again. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the ways I would put it, Lou, um, is that many African-Americans man, mm. uh, across our history from Randall Robinson used to lead trans Africa uh, and the anti-apartheid uh, apartheid movement um, back in the eighties, uh, W.B. Du Bois, um, poets and singers uh, from the Harlem Renaissance, that that when they have lived abroad, we've had a common experience that when you step outside of the United States and you step into other countries with a different racial history, you, you kind of find yourself in some ways for the first time breathing. Mm. And, and there's a kind of relaxing that happens and there's a kind of humanizing and 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 regularizing of your life when you're not always dealing with the sort of racial history that we inhabit in this country um and so i had eight years in the cayman islands of breathing Mm. and um and being in a culture that was as i said very diverse the the country at that time had about 110 115 nationalities represented uh in that population and um Again, without the without the history that is true of this country, and what that what that affords is a certain freedom, a certain um, relaxation, a certain comfort, a certain ability to discover um, without those those things that that create fear, that create anger, that create resentment um, here in here in this country in so many ways. And so, as Baldwin put it. You know, to be to be black in this country, I'm paraphrasing, and and somewhat conscious, is is basically to be uh, angry almost all the time. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is always right. assaults on dignity and character and uh, and on person, your very person. Um, and so, yeah, I you know, apart from Christ, I think my early years as a young man in college stu- at college student was almost entirely consumed by such anger. And then the Lord saved me. Mm. And uh, one of the subjective evidences that I knew he had saved me was almost overnight that anger was gone in, in Christ. Gone in the sense of it being a defining characteristic mm. of my life mm-hmm. um, and outlook. Um, but it didn't mean that the underlying problems we're gone. Right. right. <laughs> it meant Jesus changed me. <laughs> uh, he didn't change the world. He changed me. And from time to time, you still have you run into those things that are unchanged that that really do provoke a righteous anger and yeah. indignation uh, and ought to be confronted. And um, and I think as Christians, uh, particularly African-American Christians, um, we, we have a long history of doing that, I think, overall well. Um, but I think also we we we. Uh, at least me, uh, we can sometimes do that sinfully, yeah. and uh, and so yeah, I think you're right. This is this has been a lifelong thing um, in terms of facing the kinds of injustices that provoke anger, um, and and a lifelong thing in terms of um, 
you know, processing it, whether as a non-Christian uh, or then in Christ. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because the, because the situations fundamentally um, are still there. Well, that's helpful because <clears throat> you're right. Um, most of us um, have to deal with that. Um, um, the disrespect. I mean, just being in the store, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just going about everyday business, not looking for confrontation. <laughs> yeah. Just, just trying to get some cold cuts or something, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. And um, yeah, and you have to deal with that. So I think that this this first this first area is important for many of us to hear that um, although there are some justifications for um, distress, <laughs> right? We, we are still called, I, I, I hear, I hear Paul in Ephesians just, it's just ringing, right? You know, be angry and sin not, right? Be mm-hmm. angry and sin not. Mm-hmm. Let the sun go down on your wrath, right? Give no opportunity for the devil. So you just hear it over. So how does that work even in the context of this conversation? Because I think you're right. A lot of times we feel almost justified in taking leave of yep. <clears throat> of biblical Christ-centered character that we should have. Yep. So yeah, so I yeah, go ahead. No, no, I think that's right. And and <clears throat> to draw that out a little bit, I think we could be tempted to respond to Christ's um requirements of us by saying that's not fair or or some sure. version of that or that's hard. And I think we just need to be reminded that's why it's called the cross. Mm-hmm. Right? That that is taking up your cross and and bearing it. And cross-carrying in these interactions uh, is asymmetrical between, say, black and white people or Christians. The, the ways in which our white brothers have to carry a cross are different, given sure. their social location and, and issues, than the way, say, African Americans must. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, uh, yeah, there's just no way for us to avoid the cross and, and its implications, uh, precisely where mm-hmm. we feel most disinclined to obey Jesus. Sure, sure. And because, <clears throat> and I like the way you put it, you know, um, since becoming a Christian, right? Yeah. And, that, and so that's like, oh yeah, okay, I became a Christian, but it's, that's a lot deeper than that, mm-hmm. especially in, in especially in the way the Bible describes, you know, mm-hmm. being born again, um, being the new self, uh, mm-hmm. being made in the, the likeness, you know, uh, of God. Mm. in in uh, true righteousness and holiness. So that's that's, right. that's that's a huge transformation, man, that's done to us. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, not only are we obligated, but we can. We can right. respond in ways that's right. that are right, in ways that are Christ-centered. We can do it. That's right. And so that's that's kind of the hope that I hear um and resonate with in your in your in your first reason. Mm. Now we could be on this all day long and and this would be like 15 podcasts, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm following your lead, brother. <laughs> but, but, you know, so we blacks, we're just going to take our time, right? <laughs> we, we have that right. <laughs> little, little black privilege. <laughs> That's a little black privilege. We're going to take our time. We've, we've been told that any black preacher has been told at least once or twice in his preaching career. Exactly. Take your time. Take That's what we're going to do today. So, <laughs> so T. Your second reason, and this one, um, I think, um, yeah, this one is, is going to be, you said, let me just get to it. You said, uh, I ask your forgiveness for writing in ways that are sometimes 
sometimes indiscriminate. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to flesh this out real good for us mm-hmm. because um, one who's read you uh, quite a bit of your stuff, right? Quite a bit. Um, I've read so much of your stuff that somebody could say, probably, you know, if the BD said this, and I would, and I would know whether it's something you would have said or not. <laughs> <laughs> I could say no. You didn't hear him properly. He did not say that. We're friends, too, and we're brothers. And uh, I think over the years I've grown to know you. Um, but there are some things I'm like, no, something's wrong with that. That's how much, that's how much I've read of you. Mm. Now, having said that, T, <clears throat> I think also being indiscriminate would be one of the last ways I would describe your writing. So... Mm-hmm. Flesh that out. When you say that you wrote in ways that are indiscriminate, right? Help help me understand what you mean, what you mean, or what that looks like to you. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question, yeah. and and thank you for the encouragement regarding uh, my writing. I appreciate that. Um, I think what I have in mind there is kind of in the middle of the paragraph um, that there there would be times where I would write something or say something and people would be affected who I never thought of, never had, okay. never had in mind, was not <laughs> aiming at, was the last person I was considering. I, I, would, I think of an elder, a former elder uh, at our church. I could name a couple of members at a, another church here in town that's really dear to me. Um, and so people who, were, who I regard as close to me um, and, and others felt stung or felt hurt even though in my own mind while writing, I wasn't thinking of them. Mm. Uh, And I'll give you a a sort of maybe a a clear illustration. The the morning after the 2016 election when when, uh, Donald Trump became President Trump, um, I tweeted three things. And and one of the things I I tweeted um, was something along the lines of congratulations, white evangelicalism or something. Uh, You know, I I think you have just... um, you know, broken, broken some things that, that won't be easily fixed. I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but what I'm aiming at is I said, congratulations, white evangelicalism. Now, of course, what I had in mind were the 81% of voting evangelicals who voted for Sure, it. sure. That was the intent. The, the impact, though, was that white evangelicalism, white evangelicals, some white evangelicals who didn't even vote for Trump, right, felt themselves implicated um, and attacked in what I'd said. Um, and so I, I could have been crisper, I could have been sharper, I could have been more specific, you know, uh, whether in a tweet or in a blog post here or there, um, in, in order to make unmistakable who I was addressing or critiquing. Mm. Uh, and I think at, at points I failed to do that, and I, and I think the result of that was some, was some relational damage uh, in some cases, and at least some, some consternation and confusion. Uh, in other cases, and I, I just deeply grieve that. Mm. I, uh, uh, of, of all the things, uh, perhaps in this list, this this is near the top of things that I that I grieve. Interesting, because um, I, I think that when when we think of being indiscriminate, we don't think about it in, in those terms. I, I don't think that people think, well, <clears throat> I, I'm saying something, and I'm and I'm not, you know, um, I'm being clear. I know what I'm saying. I've thought out what I've said. And I'm saying it carefully. But I think the way you're pulling on indiscriminate, 
it can be that when I'm not thinking or I haven't considered all who might be affected yeah. Yeah. by what I say. Because yeah, I, you're right, I'm shooting at 80%. As a matter of fact, I, I'm thinking of 20% ain't even listening to me. <laughs> Right. That's right. That's right. That's but, right. but but they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. That's that's right. And and you know, I, I I say this in the in the post. It really is the duty of the writer. I think it's maybe mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis who first said this. Uh, it really is the duty of the writer to write in such a way that their meaning is unmistakable. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I don't think I hit that that mark all the time. And um, and and there are almost always more people listening to us than we're thinking of. And I don't, I wouldn't want to sort of raise this to the level where it paralyzes people from saying sure. anything. Right. Right. Um, but I do think the the more contentious the issue and the more public is our speaking or pronouncement, the more important it is that we, we try uh, by God's grace to mm. um, think about the various people who will hear us and to write in a way that we, we can't be mistaken in terms of who we're addressing. So, so T and, and, and you're talking, and this needs to be clear too. you're, you, you're referring mostly to the social media piece of your, of your interaction, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. important because um, I think that, um, yeah, when you're writing a book, <laughs> mm, right. it, it's kind of hard to, to figure that out. You know, you know, you have an audience or an aim, but, I think we have to be really, really careful when we are in a social media context. Right. Um, right. That. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I I think folks need to need to hear that. And I think it's helpful because we are we're in a social media day. I mean, and um, there's a lot of things, a lot of hurt that perhaps is just really unintentional. Yeah. And with yeah. Just, and just being careful, you yeah. know, we, if we just be a little more careful. No, we, I agree. Yeah, yeah. and and the, you you get you said it already. You know the hot takes and all that good mm-hmm. stuff. I mean the the ability to publish your thoughts um, with with great speed that social media gives us yeah. uh, is a blessing and a curse. <laughs> and uh, and so you know with my own kind of return to blogging uh, more regularly, that's why I'm like I'm going to post like once a week uh, and intentionally kind of take myself out of the speed. Um, of of this platform, so that I'm being, I'm giving myself time even mm-hmm. to be more thoughtful. I, I I'll still drop the ball, no doubt, um, but at least I will have um, thought and prayed and reflected and mm-hmm. given myself time to share it, the draft with other folks and so on. Sure, yeah, yeah, and I I think that's that's helpful. I think it's helpful because we, we do need to control the speed. In terms of how we we engage social media, and not let it control us because it can. I got to get back right now. You know this thing. I got a notification. I have to answer it now. Yep. Right. And that's yep. not really the case. We don't have to answer it now. Mm-hmm. You know. I think our cell phones do that to us. Mm-hmm. You know. You you know when you and I were growing up, right, with the long cord on the phone, right, the, the corded phone, <laughs> right. I mean. Now I I had a basement. I don't know if they had basements in North Carolina or not. Did y'all have basements? It, in some places, yeah. Okay, so I yeah. you know, I'm in the basement, you know, and Mama's in the living room, and the phone is ringing. Mm-hmm. It done it, it it we heard it ringing several times now. Bling bling, bling you know, and she's hollering, "Hey, hey, come up here!" 
and get the bring me the phone or something or come uh-huh. so there was no real urgency <laughs> to get the call and didn't have caller id or you know all that kind of to see who was calling the thing was well they missed me they'll call back mm-hmm. With the mm-hmm. cell phone now and with the with the ready access, we we've programmed ourselves with a quick response. Mm-hmm. That's helpful if it is an emergency, <laughs> right? It's it can be really harmful when it comes to the context of writing in a social media platform, especially with Twitter and the, and Facebook and with blogs. We don't mm-hmm. have to respond so quickly. We can wait and think about it. You know, in many cases, I think that's just wise. That's just especially when the subject is so volatile and what, mm. like what we've been discussing a lot lately. It's just yeah. the, the whole the whole race thing. Right. The whole this, this whole conversation is just so volatile that it does take time. I think taking time and thinking through running it by some folks is probably mm-hmm. the wiser way. Uh, to interact, to engage. So I appreciate that, man. I'm sure folks uh, listening will will appreciate um, your perspective on that, T. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, sometimes um, before writing, you say, uh, I had, um, I need to ask forgiveness, you say, for sometimes writing before having sufficient details to, com- to comment effectively. So T, this third one, I'm pretty sure most social media participants are guilty of. <laughs> we just <laughs> talked about it, right? We we want to rush to the rush to the response, rush to the reply, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I know I've been guilty of that. I I don't interact in social media not even half as not even. A, I mean, compared to you, I, I, my stuff is just minimal. But I know there's been times when I've not had all the details, and I, and I've responded or I've I've spoken on something. It seems to go along with the turf of social media. So help us out without details, right? What, what in your mind constitutes a serious breach that necessitates an apology, especially since you said, and I quote, I do not believe having all the facts is a possible goal for leaders. And then you speak of sufficient facts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so when do we cross the line uh, with, with this? Can you help us with that? It's a really good question, Lou. And I think it's going to vary depending upon the situation and depending upon what you're actually trying to speak to. So I think in the minds of many readers uh, on this point, they might go back to something like Mike Brown mm-hmm. uh, and the, the killing of Mike Brown uh, and the unfolding narrative of the Mike Brown situation where we go from, um, you know, hands up, don't shoot to uh, he and the officer fought at the car, um, to autopsy reports a little bit later, and various kinds of things. So, so the story was unfolding, and details were coming along, and, and details were being changed, and information was being uh, shared, and, and, and so on. So that if you, if you tried to speak in some definitive way about what happened, you know, the actual interaction, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, at any point along the way, you probably were going to later have to sort of modify something. Right, right. right. Um, and so th- there's a sense in w- if you're speaking at that level, I know what happened, you're almost always going to be in trouble with a, with a story like that. Um, but, of course, there were some people who were saying, you know, we need to wait till we have all the facts before we say anything. 
And and I think that's a bridge too far. So um, I I think we could say, for example, what 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 seems to have happened looks fishy to us, right? Given given what we know, mm-hmm. that's a qualified statement. That's a that's a measured statement. Uh, we could say we need an investigation here to figure out what has happened here. Again, another qualified measured statement. But we, we could also make statements that that put that incident in into a context. We could say, hey, this incident seems to fit the pattern of other incidents, you know, around the country, mm-hmm. uh, which which have been unjust or what have you. Um, so figuring out at what level of specificity and with what level of confidence we can assert something, uh, I think is pretty important, particularly as you're speaking to events that are unfolding in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another example would be the, um, the sort of video of the Covenant High School students who were uh, here in town for the uh, Right to Life conference and mm-hmm. it was a video clip that was shown a very edited clip initially of a native american drummer um up, up what appeared to be a kind of standoff between he and one of the kids it looked quite disrespectful um i i just simply i retweeted that video and said you know this this is the kind of racial incivility um that has basically grown up in the country and so on uh, now i still think that statement <laughs> right but it's, but not in a way that I thought it was true when I saw that short video. Uh, of course, in the days that unfolded, we get the longer videos and we see the longer set of interactions. The Hebrew Israelites, you know, haranguing the students with with all kind of racist stuff. The Native American drummer approaching the students, and it just the the the, the sort of melee of things that were happening there. Well, proved that I didn't have the whole context, right? Um, and, and again, there'll be future times where, where I speak and won't have the whole context and, and we'll have to own something. Um, but I think the, the aim is to have sufficient enough facts, um, to be able to state something confidently, uh, and to qualify that statement, you know, as best we can without making a statement die to death of a thousand qualifications. <laughs> right. You know right. I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, so that's the, that's the art, I think. That, that we're aiming for um, and it's, it's a it's a pretty tough bar to hit all the time uh, but I think if, if we are going to engage these things publicly we ought to at least try mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there were times where I don't think I hit that bar yeah now that's really helpful because <clears throat> we we are in a day with the 24-hour news cycle right and uh, camp phone phone cameras <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, things are I mean you're almost there uh, <laughs> present, or, or at least, or at least you're given the, the, the impression that yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. and 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 so that's wisdom that that we would hold on. You're right. Um, we're not going to wait till you know there's a trial. <laughs> Sometimes right. you know there's a verdict. Sometimes years later. It's years, right? You've been forgot yeah. all because so many things have happened in between that time, right? Yep. And so um, no, that's, that that's not yeah, that's not being wise. But there is a way of doing this that uh protects the integrity of what you're of what you're blogging or what you're tweeting uh, what you're putting on facebook and um yeah a lot of folks jumped on the um and we still don't know what happened with that here in chicago with the the young actor i can't think of the family Mm -hmm. of them i can't think of his name jesse 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 smollett Smollett. yeah everybody jumped we and, and still we don't know what happened with that 
Mm. And, you know, and we, I think folks were marching free jet, free Jesse Smollett. We don't, we, <laughs> we still, I mean, the, there's uh, folks are still not sure yeah. what really happened with that because yeah. it seemed like that is fitting the narrative mm-hmm. of, 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 of what we think we've become accustomed to. What are you yeah. going to say, T? Well, no, I, 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 you, you said it. Um, it, it. Part of what you alluded to early in the comments is, is if we don't get this right, um, then we create a credibility problem. Sure. We, we, actually, we actually harm the arguments that we're trying to make, sure. uh, at least in the eyes of some. Yeah. Um, and, and the support of others becomes uninformed support. Which yeah. is which is not the most useful kind of support, <laughs> right, um, right? And so I think for if we care about the causes that we speak up about, uh, we ought to care enough to be as accurate as we can. Sure. Um, and and that that that's just being responsible. I think. Sure. Yeah, it is. Well, T, we've gotten through three. <laughs> 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 of uh, of of your reasons for apologizing it's been helpful brother it's been really really helpful but we don't want to run out this we want folks to get all of this so we're going to do a part one and part two you you cool with that can we do that sounds good, sounds good, good. to me brother and sounds so good on the porch. Yeah, it's, it's, that's right man take just taking our time that's what, that's what you do on the porch, right? That's right. Because <laughs> I got to have time to tell long stories, right? <laughs> <laughs> Two of us, both of us together. That's dangerous, brother. <laughs> that's dangerous. So tell you what, let's um, let's bring this one to this part one to a close, and uh, and then we'll pick up and w- and we'll do part two at a, at a later time. Sorry. But but as always, folks, we are so grateful that you joined us on, on the porch again. This is Lewis and Sabidi. And uh, we'll see you next time on the front porch. The front porch. Amen.